0: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his
1: way to the end
0: zone. I'll tell you what, I've done spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What
1: a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done
0: it again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
2: Oh, I love it today's show. Coming up on today's show, we're going to compare running backs versus wide receivers. It's easy to debate running backs, but hey, if you're sitting there and you're looking at Antonio Gibson... Versus AJ Brown or something like that, what kind of decision do you make? Austin Eckler versus Tyreek Hill? And what would average draft position last year have uh, have told us, You know, have indicated in terms of what we should do? For example, the Austin Eckler versus Tyreek Hill, based on Eckler being RB8 this year and Hill being Tyreek, uh, Hill being, uh, yeah, he is Tyreek. He is a Tyreek uh, wide receiver too. Last year, that would have been Josh Jacobs versus Devontae Adams. So these are the types of exercises we're doing today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Adam Azer, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings. Today's episode is sponsored by Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Stay tuned for additional details about Sonos Arc later in today's show. (sighs) Heath, man. I drafted the best team of of the year so far last uh, Tuesday night. Best team I ever drafted. That is
0: no joke. Every time, because you had to pick at 12, so you you had two picks each time. And every time you made those two picks, I thought, good. It's like I'm picking this team for Adam. It is so good. I told Jamie, I, I sent him a private message during the draft and said, this is the best team Adam has ever drafted. And then... You said the same thing. It was the best team you ever drafted. It's such so it, a good it, team. It must be. I think you found the secret to success. The way that you can up your game in fantasy
1: football. Yeah, Jamie drafted your team, didn't you?
2: Ed Heath. Yeah, yeah. So we did the live stream on Tuesday night. I was supposed to be there. We had a you know a personal thing, family thing come up, and I couldn't be there for it. And Jamie and Heath and whoever else was was doing it. I don't know. You guys just absolutely crushed it. Amazing team. It-
0: yeah. It was pretty much every every turn. Jamie got one pick, and I got one pick.
2: <laughs> and I learned so. In in all seriousness, I feel like I would have made you know pretty similar picks to this. But there's one thing that, looking at the roster, that I learned that I really like. And this is the this is a team that is pretty strong everywhere except maybe tight end. And if I have a late pick. Look at this team. 12-team full PPR start three receivers in a flex. Dak Prescott, Jonathan Taylor, and Chris Carson. Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. Flex is Javante Williams or James White in PPR. And the tight ends are Noah Fant and Irv Smith. I I I love it. I'm a little bit weak. I don't have a top six tight end, but this is a great roster build, I think. Well, to, Dave hates Brandon Cooks, but besides that, he's a number three receiver. Is one of the last starters drafted. You, you, you go Taylor Diggs, you go Carson DJ Moore. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I believe that was right. Yeah, I yeah, I, mean, I, I took DJ Moore over Tyler Lockett.
0: Um, Jamie accused me of doing it so I could get Tyler Lockett. I told him <laughs> actually you hate Tyler Lockett, so
1: you would have been happy with
2: that's not true. That thing. I like I don't know if I would have taken more, but I would have taken somebody in, in that range. And then you go, uh, you go Dak Prescott and Javante Williams at the five, six, at the, uh, yep. yeah, five, six. And then you go Brandon Cooks and Noah Fant, I'm guessing. That's, I great. think it went Noah Fant then Brandon Cooks. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, that was the way it went. I love it. I, I This team is terrific, and it's really making me realize that if I don't get a top six tight end, it's fine because I, I'm loaded, I think, at, at all of my starting positions. And if Javante Williams isn't great, you throw in James White as a perfectly fine PPR flex to start the year. Thank you, Heath. Good job. Yeah, you
0: know and those some of those words that you're saying are like words that you've said throughout various podcasts and I was saying them on the stream last night specifically the James White Adam loves James White late late because if something goes wrong you can just throw him in your flex and you've got 10 to 12 points every week. I thought you were going to
2: talk about what I just said. Thank you Heath good job. You wanted me to edit that out, which I will. I'll make that a soundbite. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Dave didn't like the team as much, so that's okay.
1: Let's read an email. This one's about I mean, you're Dave. treating it like it's the greatest fantasy roster build I, I in think the it's history great. No, of the universe.
0: just in the history of Adam A's yeah. drafted teams.
1: I think it's a great I mean, look, team. it's better than taking Texans back-to-back, which you've done. I have, but at least I have one of those guys. In, I'd in like Brandon to know Cooks. what receivers were there when you took Dak Prescott. Uh, I don't know if you can answer no, that right now. I don't, right I don't now, know. Or if you remember, Heath might remember. Um. But I might have I might have tried to avoid that, the the Brandon Cooks and kind of the DJ Moore part too, and go a little bit stronger at wide receiver, and then wait for a quarter. What's back wrong with the DJ on. Moore
2: part? That was my fourth. That was the thirty seventh pick. Now maybe there was a wide receiver. I probably they're probably a wide receiver I would have taken instead of Moore,
1: but all on the same tier. Yeah. Early round four, uh, I think it's all right.
2: It's, you know, based on ADP, it's a little bit of a reach, but you're not getting him with your next pick. So if you like him, you take
1: him there. Right. I'd like to know who else was available then. I might have gone Lock, in a different Lock it was. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, sure I'm not going to say anything guys. bad about your running backs, although I could because Javante Williams was kind of a mixed
2: bag. He's the third the guy, league Dave. League. What do you want me to have? Three incredible running backs and <laughs> loaded at receiver? Give me a break. I got, Carson, I got Taylor and Carson.
0: More like D'Adam Azer because uh, Dave hates you almost as he hates DeAndre Swift.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't hate DeAndre Swift.
2: I, right. I shared an elevator let's, with him. He's a nice guy. Let's get Dave in a, in a good mood here. Here's an email from Vaughn. Email of the day at Fantasy Football. A, a good
1: mood would be a big ice cream Sunday and a quiet hotel room for 12 hours.
2: Okay. Well, I don't have that. Uh, dear Vince, Colt, and Major. Those are Longhorns. Yeah. <laughs> Our league calls Dave's trade value chart, quote, the Richard. And we patiently await its arrival every Tuesday around noon. It really helps stoke the trade fires. I highly recommend to every league. But no one can seem to remember if Dave publishes The Richard, an initial copy before the season. Is there a week zero version of The Richard?
1: There usually is. And it should be. Honestly, it should be out by now. But I'm really backed up. Ah, uh, that sounded funny. You can make a sound clip out of that. <laughs> I have some proof. Um, I just it'll it'll happen before dude. the season starts. You know, the the move from four <laughs> preseason games to three means that there's like uh, like two weeks before week one happens after the preseason ends. I think that's when you'll see the first preseason trade chart.
2: We're getting a little information about which teams are going to play their starters and which aren't. We know Ben Roethlisberger will not play. Carolina Naji. will play the starters. Uh, I don't know how much information you guys have on that You've now, got the
1: Bengals, right?
2: Joe Burrow's is going to play a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see how teams treat this because usually preseason week four, you get
1: very few starters. Right. I think the majority of the teams intended to treat week three of the preseason like week three of the preseason and not like week four.
2: Okay. We shall see. Well, fellas, I've been enjoying my Sonos arc. Watched a, a good show, by the way. City on the Hill. Seen that one, Showtime? It's Kevin Bacon, Boston Cops. Really good show. Um, okay, but very good, especially with the uh, with the Sonos Arc. But right now, it is time for raising the bar. I'll tell you more about the Arc later. Looking at players who have the potential to raise their game to the next level. And let's go through the current news, okay? Dave didn't talk about the Sony Michelle trade when we did the bonus pods. So you can talk about that. Trevor Lawrence named the starter in Week 1. Teddy Bridgewater named the starter in Week 1. Heath, who are some players, who's a player that has the potential to uh, take his game to the next level?
0: I think it's got to be Jerry Judy, and we thought that was possible already. I think Teddy Bridgewater only helps because Teddy Bridgewater really likes – Throwing to wide open receivers. All quarterbacks do. That's kind of a silly thing to say. Teddy Bridgewater is very averse to throwing to covered targets. Jerry Judy is the best player on the team on the Broncos at getting open. I feel more confident in Judy's target share with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback. I feel more confident in his catch rate improving. Teddy Bridgewater throws catchable passes. So, I, I think the only risk at all with Teddy is how low his touchdown rate has been over his career. But I, I love this for Judy, and it, it only increases the possibility, I think, of him being a top 24 wide receiver in full PPR this season.
2: Would you guys draft Jerry Judy or Michael Thomas? Judy. Judy. Easy. Judy or Beck, Beckham? Oh. Judy. Uh, yeah.
1: Come on, Judy? just to give you an idea, I have Jerry Judy forty sixth overall in my rank. Oh my goodness! Okay, Ooh. so I'm going to get Jerry Judy in a lot of leagues. Mm. I'm I am so impressed with how he's played. I was impressed with how he played last year, minus the drops. And if Bridgewater's the quarterback, the on-target accuracy will be better for him as well. Dave, Judy or
2: Brandon Cooks?
1: It's going to be tough. <laughs> um,
0: Jerry so, Judy. So I think yeah, I think we need like the obviously we're. Dave and I are both on board with the Judy thing. Dave even more so than I am. Um, it's pretty exciting. This and this. Again, you think this Teddy's better for
2: him, right, Dave? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you a couple numbers here on Bridgewater versus Locke. Bridgewater has averaged 7.3 yards per attempt in his career, and in all four of the seasons where he's actually played, you know, thrown more than I don't know, 30 passes or so, he's been right around that. He's pretty consistently around 7.3. Drew Locke was 6.6 yards per attempt last year and 6.5 as a rookie limited action. So Bridgewater's been much better. But in that regard, and as you mentioned, Heath, touchdown rate, he's thrown 53 touchdown passes in 59 games. Those are 49 starts. So That's awful. Yeah, it's really bad. About I, a touchdown I, a game.
0: I pretty much have a rule. Even rookies, even guys I'm not excited about, I don't project anyone below a 4% touchdown rate. Teddy's career rate is 3.4. And we saw how that impacted Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore last year. I'm hopeful that Jerry Judy's so good at getting open that he can get open in the red zone as well. So Teddy will still throw it and not uh, just tuck it and run.
1: But and then make a play after the catch, right? I mean, that's right. that's part of Jerry Judy's game is that violent rushing style that he has to make a move after he makes a catch, get into the open field, and pick up some extra yards. We've seen it this preseason. Here are my three favorite Judy stats. He ranked sixth among wideouts with fifteen hundred and twenty-nine air yards last year. Sixth in receiving average, just basic yards per catch, sixteen point five. Nineteenth with five point four six yards after catch per reception. So each time he's making a catch, on average, he's getting you another five yards on top of it.
2: Okay, so Jerry Judy is and Heath's that was last year with the player back who is raising the bar has the potential to raise his game to the next level. Dave, how about you?
1: So uh, I, I think that there's room for Damian Harris to be that guy. Um, it's always dangerous when you talk about Patriots, running backs, and fantasy football. And I, I wish I could say, uh, look, it's safer if you call him around six pick in non-PPR and around seven pick in PPR. But if, if you've watched the preseason games, he's starting alongside Cam Newton. He's looked good. He's got good speed. He shifts his feet well. Uh, the offensive line looked amazing against Philadelphia. I think they're going to continue to look at least solid in their regular season games. And I think Harris has a hammer lock on the early downs workload because Ramondre Stevenson's a rookie and the Patriots might take their time moving him along. J.J. Taylor would probably mix in a little bit as for now. I don't know if they would actually sign Rex Burkhead if he shook free from Houston, but I, I think that there's really a path here for Damian Harris to be useful in fantasy. My One of my favorite stats about Harris last year, he had four games with at least 15 carries get at least nine non-PPR points in each game, 10-plus non-PPR and then obviously 10 PPR in three of the four games. So that seems like a safe floor running back in non-PPR that I might be willing to draft at the very end of round five if I really need a running back, but I prefer round six. And then once Cam is off the field, and it's a matter of time, we don't know if it's going to be week one or week 11, but it's a matter of time before Mac Jones gets his chance, once Cam's gone, now we're talking about him with the potential to score a touchdown against just about anybody from game to game. If the Patriots can work their way inside the five, and I think they'll be able to do that a decent amount of the time with Mac Jones there. So I'm, I, I, you know that I've liked his talent a long time. I liked him when he was coming out of the draft. He was my second favorite running back, I believe, in that draft class. I'm, I'm gonna keep looking for him on draft day if the value is good. Uh, Lay round five if I have to in non PPR round six would be better late round six in PPR. If I have to round seven would be better.
2: Okay. That's Damian Harris. And, uh, does the, does the Sony Michelle trade really change anything for Harris? Cause I just feel like Mondre Stevenson's going to get yes. work. You know, I yeah, I, I think just feel like he's going to
1: play the Michelle role now. Sure. Um, but what's going to happen the first time he makes a mistake.
2: Well, I, it's Does what, he hit Damien the bench and then it's a lot make a of Damian mistake. Harris
1: for two weeks? Like I, We've seen it a hundred times from the Patriots where they take their time, usually, yeah. with rookie running backs. Maybe Lawrence Maroney well, you know, was, an six, six, seven was an exception. 6-7 carries a game.
2: I'm not saying they're going to turn him loose. I, I, I'm i just saying, it, I don't know if it changes anything for Damian Harris. You know, I just, they Obviously, right. there was a report a couple months ago that Sonny Michelle might get cut, so I just don't think they cared... All that much about losing Sony Michelle, and they've got their one-two punch, which is going to be Harris and a little mm-hmm. bit of Stevenson, and then White sure. on third down,
1: right? I mean, and so. we might as well mention Adam that Stevenson's worth a late round pick, mm-hmm. and I think everybody kind of figured that out. I mean, I I don't think he's worth like a round ten pick. I think he got to wait till after round twelve. Okay,
0: are you uh, taking Sony Michelle in what round ten?
1: Yeah, that he like maybe round eleven, and early that, round that, eleven. That's another
0: guy, which I still project Henderson to be the starter. Um, Adam Schefter said this morning that he thought it would be Sonny Michel. If Sonny Michel is the lead back for the Rams, he's another guy that might take
2: his game to the next level. So, yeah. And and I said on the bonus pod we did, hey, people might think Sonny Michel is not good. You know, this isn't a huge threat to Daryl Henderson, but he might be good. (laughs) He's had two pretty efficient years. He had one really bad year. I think we know he's not a game-changer. Uh, and he's not going to be a huge factor in the passing game, although his running backs coach did say that he had made a lot of progress in that area. You do hear that kind of every offseason about a lot of running backs. But I don't know. Maybe maybe Sonny Michel's not that bad. I, maybe he's not worse than uh, than Daryl Henderson. I don't know. Dave, did what, you, what did you do with Daryl Henderson in your rankings? Yeah, I moved
1: him down. I, yeah, I think it's an obvious move down for Henderson. Uh, I think this is another signal from the... Re- Rams coaching staff that they just don't trust Henderson. And in this case, it might be that they just don't trust him to stay healthy. You know, he hurt his thumb recently. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but like it might have given Sean McVay nightmares because this guy had a high ankle sprain to end last year. He had ankle surgery to end his rookie year. He had a uh, I think it was a groin problem or, meth- or not groin, quad problem uh, in the middle of last season. Uh, there's, there, there's some concern, I bet, from the coaching staff to not lean too heavily daryl henderson and i spent a lot of time yesterday i'm I'm staying up at night doing this i'm watching xavier jones and jake funk and how they're splitting carries and how they're being used in yeah. la well that was a big waste and, of time <laughs> yeah, well it, it turned out to be a colossal waste of time i thought funk looked better i thought both of them were just decent um but they're they probably a were a little less trusting of henderson to stay healthy and they wanted one of these young guys to emerge, and neither one really did. And so they had the opportunity to trade for Michelle. You don't give up a late fourth round pick just to for running back depth. I think they think that they can get something out of Sony Michelle where they can just use him in a tandem with Daryl Henderson. And I bet that they're not going to necessarily give a third down role to either of these guys, and that they can probably they probably figure that they can just play either one of them in third down. Uh, Sony's probably been the better pass protector the last two years. You, I don't know if you caught this in the preseason game. Jamie did, and he said it on the live show at noon. Sony Michelle had four targets and four catches against Philadelphia. Yeah, but, ha- and but w- Stevenson had like two or three catches too, didn't he? Sure. But so, this was the first time Sony had four catches in an NFL game, preseason or regular season, and the second time he had four targets in an NFL game preseason or regular season. So it, it, that might have been the the Patriots showcasing Sonny Michelle a little bit. Uh I think he's right. I think that Sonny Michelle has good value. Okay. If you're getting him in the you double you gotta digitized. tell me
2: though, where
1: did you move Daryl Henderson to? He's round six.
2: I did say you that. did not say that. I need I to know which, which running backs did you move ahead of it. Did you put him behind
1: Chase Edmonds? I in PPR absolutely he's behind Chase Edmonds. Okay. What about Raheem Mostert? He is not behind Raheem Mostert. He is one spot ahead of Damian Harrison, full PPR. He is behind Javante Williams. He's behind Kareem Hunt. He's behind Miles Sanders. And then if you move to non-PPR, uh, I've got Henderson behind Williams and ahead of Edmonds, ahead of Mostert, behind Damian Harris.
2: All right, we got to get going here, guys. Let's get to the news and notes so we can do our running backs versus wide receivers. First of all, if you need everything that you need to know for draft prep in one downloadable doc, go to cbssports.com slash FFT draft guide. cbssports.com slash FFT draft guide. That is our downloadable draft document cheat sheet. Perfect for you. Your news and notes. Trevor Lawrence is going to start week one. ESPN notes that he's been pressured on 37% of his dropbacks this preseason. Yikes. But Lawrence is week one, is he still a top 15 quarterback for you guys? Not me. Barely. Okay, so, me. so take I, him as a I, high-end I'm, backup.
1: I don't like him losing ETN. That was a playmaker after the catch. And he's not challenging downfield. And when he is challenging downfield, he's not accurate. It's a little concerning. Um, I would rather wait for... Lance and fields to start, then wait for Trevor Lawrence to get his act together and start putting up numbers.
2: Teddy Bridgewater is going to start week one. As we know, they're at the giants, but is he even a top 24 quarterback? Nope. Okay. Uh, Ian Rappaport says Jameis Winston is the leader in the clubhouse to be the starting quarterback for the saints more bad news for the Jets. Defensive end Vinny Curry. And, you know, I guess this is actually a good news, bad news thing. They did discover a rare blood disorder for Curry, so he will miss the season. But, you know, he'll be healthy and ready to come back next year. He was going to be uh, reportedly just kind of a situational pass rusher for them. But still, their, their pass rush is going to be hurting. Uh, and left tackle Mikai Becton is in the concussion protocol for the Jets. Joe Burrow is going to play this weekend. Saints tight end Nick Vinette is out two to four weeks. Uh, Heath didn't seem so interested, and this isn't a huge deal, but just with Troutman injured too, Heath didn't seem so interested in Jawan Johnson. Dave usually like those converted receivers playing tight end a little bit more. Sure, Is, you remember two years ago, you were like, "There's a sleeper, put him on your team, Darren Waller," <laughs> and uh, are you got Jawan Johnson
1: to see the next one. I don't think he's going to be the next one, but he he moves well. He's he's another one of these guys that has the tight end label but he moves like a wide receiver yeah you know the one other thing that i noticed about the saints passing game was that jamis almost seemed better throwing those intermediate and long throws than those short throws so for somebody like johnson i think that would be a benefit okay just don't know how many targets he'll get
2: ron rivera optimistic that curtis samuel will practice next week Marvin Jones expected to be ready for week one. He sprained his AC joint. Same with Tyra Williams. He has a groin injury, but he's expected to be ready for week one. And Noah Fant has a leg issue. And I haven't seen anything on that. We'll just assume no big deal right now. We'll keep you posted on Noah Fant if we see anything. All right, running backs versus wide receivers. Who would you guys take in a PPR league? Tyreek Hill or Austin Eckler? Remember, based on ADP last year, wide receiver two versus RB eight would have been Devante Adams versus Josh Jacobs. But who would you take Tyree killer, Austin Eckler?
1: That sounds funny just because we've seen Devante Adams put up a magnificent year. Um, So I, I don't think that means that wide receiver is definitely the right answer, but, When it comes to how I like to build my rosters, running backs are always going to be a position that I strongly consider in round one. Here's one that in a PPR format could catch 90 passes with the Chargers and still put up around 1,400 total yards. So I I think those extra catches matter quite a bit. He might catch more passes than Tyreek Hill this year. I'll take Eckler.
0: I have Eckler ahead of Tyreek Hill. It's, I, I this this whole exercise. Just thinking about it has made me want to change it already.
2: <laughs> well, look, I'm going to tell you, we got running back versus wide receiver. I think I have ten of them, or I think I have nine of those and one tight end mixed in there. Some of them are very lopsided toward the wide receiver. Some of them are very lopsided toward the running back. And it's also kind of a. It's really just for fun, right? If you had gone... No, I didn't mean the Josh Jacobs-Dondae okay, okay. Adams thing okay. made
0: me want to. It's just that when I think about this from a prespre- projections perspective, it, it's very, very close, but wide receiver is deeper, so you take the running back. But I think about it in terms of like upside and downside. I think that Austin Eckler and Tyree Hill have a pretty similar catch upside. Um, I think if you're projecting it, you project Hill for a few more catches, but their catch upside is pretty similar. I have a hard time saying that Austin Eckler has as much touchdown upside as Tyreek Hill does. I oh, don't yeah. really know. I, I think he does have as much. He has slightly more yardage upside than Tyreek Hill does. But he's obviously got a lot more injury risk because he's a running back. Yeah. Um. I, I've got Eckler. I think, one spot ahead of Tyreek Hill. I would probably take Tyreek Hill. I think I'm going to have to move, change it. You just made okay. me change my rankings. Wow. Live on air.
2: Look at that. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, there's only just kind of one thing that I want to say. It takes me so long. That to- Adam, you were right. Thank you, Heath. I appreciate that. Did you say Tyreek? No, Kills I did it. I did time? it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that I think a, an even more difficult one is when the top two wide receivers are off the board. Which running backs to take ahead of Diggs, Hopkins, and Ridley? So this is more of a general question here, but looking at Barkley, Taylor, Najee, Mixon, Gibson, basically those five. I'll check. We're, we're talking full
0: PPR for all of this, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if there's anything that's really different, maybe for this for for this argument, let's start with full PPR, and we can talk about other formats as well.
0: Full PPR, it's just Taylor and Mixon for me, and I feel less certain about Mixon by the day. Definitely Jonathan Taylor. Um, but those, like you want to talk about the the risk. I just feel like with those running backs compared to those wide receivers, there might be more upside for a couple of those running backs. There is significantly more risk with those running backs.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry, I, I should throw Nick Chubb in there as well because he's actually I,
0: in full in, PPR. I really don't think you should, but he well, would uh, say you should.
2: according to, yes, yes, that's exactly right. According to fantasy football today calculator, Nick Chubb is the seventh pick or the seventh running back. He's going ahead of Eckler, Barkley, Harris, Taylor, Gibson, Mixon, etc. Uh Dave, how about you? How do you approach that late round one, early round two? Those three wide receivers are on the board uh, after the top two are gone, but you still have some terrific running backs there.
1: It's supply and demand. Uh, you know, if, if I were in a league somehow where you started one running back and two wide receivers – I'd probably put those wide receivers ahead of most of the running backs that we're talking about. But in most leagues, even in leagues where you start two running backs and three wide receivers with the flex, I feel like you've got to get those running backs before they dry up. Otherwise, you're going to be pretty unhappy picking from what's left in round six and beyond. So I don't know if you've named a running back that I wouldn't take ahead of Diggs, ahead of Ridley, and ahead of Hopkins, who, by the way, I believe each of those three had an ADP of round three or later last year.
2: Not Hopkins.
1: Well, I don't remember what Hopkins ADP was last year. I just know that um, not everybody was on board with with Hopkins as, as a great fantasy option. He was wide receiver and five. And he might have gone pretty close to round three. I know Diggs wasn't close. So,
2: so okay, a fantasy football calculator, PPR. Hopkins was wide receiver five, but he was picked 207. Ridley okay, so was a definitely. fourth round pick. And we kept saying this is the, maybe the best value in the draft. Right. Uh, And he was, he was wide receiver 16. <clears throat> and, and I'll bring up, I don't know
1: if he was as good as James Robinson.
2: <laughs> well, I don't think I was saying that James Robinson was the best value in the draft at the time.
1: Okay. Um. Anyway, where was Diggs going?
2: Like round five or six. What I was right. going to say, and I've, I've given these numbers, I've, you compare running back 10 to wide receiver five. Okay. So say Najee Harris or, you know, or Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Running back 10 to wide receiver five in terms of the finish at the end of the year in a half PPR or a full PPR league, certainly in a full PPR league, uh, it's not going to be close typically. It's right, going to be receiver. It's going to be wide receiver. But that's where they finish. When I looked at ADP, the players being drafted in the 10 to 15 range, the running backs versus the wide receivers. I just looked over the last three years. It's been, it's been kind of messy, no real conclusions to be drawn there. So I don't really know what that means, but if you are actually drafting the fifth best wide receiver versus the 10th best running back, you can make a positional scarcity decision on your own, but I'm just telling you in a full PPR league, especially That wide receiver is going to absolutely crush that running back most years. So, yeah, but then again, one year Christian McCaffrey was in this range. You know, you do get that, you get those types of seasons uh, from running backs sometimes. Okay. That brings us to you guys want to give me a non PPR answer there, by the way?
0: Um, My non PPR part, non PPR answer is the
1: same as Dave's PPR answer. My answer in non-PPR is the same as my answer in PPR. Obviously,
2: yeah. All right, what so. about half PPR, Heath? About half of those backs I would take. All right, half PPR, Najee Harris or Calvin Ridley? Ridley. Did Jonathan Taylor or Ridley? Taylor's ahead of them in, in non- Oh, in full. full, right. All right, fine, that, that suffices. Next up, David Montgomery or DK Metcalf?
1: That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go Metcalf.
0: I am going David Montgomery. I feel, but I again, I think this is more of an instance of me in full PPR being higher on David Montgomery
1: than everyone else.
0: Where do you have him? Where do you have him? Twelve.
1: Overall? The twelfth among running backs, not twelfth overall.
0: Twelfth among running backs, which is like nineteenth or twentieth
1: overall. Okay, so you're very comfortable taking him in round two, then. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm I'm really close to that with David Montgomery. I, I I get it, but I I see DK Metcalf as a guy who's got a chance to do better than he did last year because his second half last year was so bad that you just can't help but wonder that if, if his upside is what he did in the first half of last year for 17 games, he's going to be a league winner. And what, the, if, what
0: if David Montgomery's upside is what he did in the second what half? What he did
1: in game. the first games? Yeah, you can make that exact same uh, argument, but I think Seattle's offense is better, and I think it's a good fit for what DK Metcalf can do. I think it's a good fit for what Tyler Lockett can do too, and uh, I, I just think that the volume is going to go up for him because they're going to try and get rid of the ball quick, play up tempo, don't really see a third target there in that passing game that's going to take significant targets away from Metcalf or Lockett. And Metcalf has already been established as a red zone target for Seattle when they're trying to get rid of the ball quickly. 14 red zone targets when Russell Wilson got rid of the ball in under two and a half seconds last year.
0: I, I will say, I think the biggest difference in this discussion is like you were referencing Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, that range of running backs and whether you'd take them ahead of the three through five wide receivers. That range of running backs for me is includes David Montgomery. In fact, he's ahead a lot of those guys.
2: Okay, would you take Nick Chubb over DK Metcalf? I would. He's right behind David Montgomery for me. All right. Last year, this argument of Chubb of uh, Montgomery versus Metcalf would have been Chris Carson versus Chris Godwin. Pretty good, pretty even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Don't you think people would have rather had Godwin just because he stayed healthy and Well, I
2: but think that's going to be the stay. case with he, most of these, I he, assume. He missed some time, too. They probably played way some- with all these. Similar amount of games. Uh, I would Mm -hmm. say that Carson and Godwin had similar fantasy impacts
1: last year. Right? Fair? Uh, Um, Well, how many points per game did Godwin give you? uh, We don't count week 17 because...
2: No, we count it. I I don't know. And week 17 was great for him. All right, James Robinson or Allen Robinson?
0: This is uh, Allen Robinson again... (laughs) It's funny that we've just chosen all the guys that uh, I'm, which I get to this point and it's just the way that it is. But yeah, it's Allen Robinson for me. He's another guy that I've got at the 2-3 turn and I've got James Robinson more at the 3-4 turn. I think Allen Robinson is a good third round pick if his quarterback play is as bad as it was last year. And I expect his quarterback play to be better than it was last year.
1: I am in perfect lockstep with you on Allen Robinson as a 2-3 turn type pick. I would take Robinson a little sooner than the 3-4 pick, even in full PPR, because I think he's got a chance to maybe even be a little bit better than what he was last season. I I know that his workload will go down. He won't play as many snaps, but I think he could still be efficient. I think Jacksonville is another one of these offenses that's going to get rid of the ball quickly. And I think that'll help Robinson having ETN not there is going to be huge for him. It's just going to create a ton of opportunities. Um, but I, I, I like Robinson better. I think he's got more upside than he's ever had since, Which certainly Robinson? since the year when he went crazy. Yeah, Alan Robinson, Robin Robinson. has <laughs> more upside since the Blake Bortles garbage time year. And it's, I, I really think that he could put up like maybe close to 1500 total yards. If Justin Fields gets under center for the bears by week three.
2: Um, I'm just trying to look up my internet's not cooperating the bears passing totals from last year. One thing I got to say, you know, when I, when I originally evaluated Lance versus fields that I just figured Lance had a lot more rushing upside that it was kind of like Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott or something. Uh, but I, that's cause Lance rushed for like a thousand yards in a season in college and fields came nowhere near that. But watching fields, I'm not so yeah. sure about that <laughs> he's he's capable of of more than what he did in college and that's there are some not yeah there's some
0: some of the testing Robinson. and stuff would suggest that he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've had come out in a while um,
2: yeah so so uh, one of my point is I I don't know that he's that Robinson's going to have an upgrade at quarterback just in terms of pure end of season passing numbers per you know not not counting the 17 versus 16 game thing I don't I don't know that I don't know what to expect from Fields. He might be just a, a really good rusher, but I don't know. It's a leap to say he's going to be that much better than even the junk they had last year, which they threw 26 touchdowns last year,
1: you know? That's, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see what you see here at all. I'm saying, nice.
2: uh, do you think that that uh, they threw for 3,925 yards and 26 touchdowns last year? Mm-hmm. Do you think that in 16 games... Justin Fields would throw for 3,925 yards and 26 touchdowns? I think it's possible.
0: I'm trying to, I was just going to pull up what I have them projected for for 17 games. Right. Well, I think Adam Uh, said 16
1: because he figures Andy Dalton will get.
0: Well, I I, I think he was just trying to compare apples to apples. I actually have them for more yards, but um, slightly fewer touchdowns.
1: All right, moving on to
2: our next one here. Uh, That would be another James Robinson one. And I'm happy to, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. well, I had a feeling you were going to say Allen Robinson over James Robinson. So I'll go down, I'll drop it down to a slightly worse wide receiver. But I'm going to go better. I'm going to go with an upgrade here. I'm going to go with the Sonos Arc. I want to tell you about the Sonos Arc. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. S-O-N-O-S, Sonos.com. Total game changer. Like I said, I've been watching City on the Hill. I've been using the uh, the sleep mode. I can't remember exactly what it's called. The speech enhancement mode and the sort of sleep mode, which is where the, sleep, the speech enhancement mode is where it helps you understand what kind of the quieter parts, what the characters are saying. And the other thing is that it lowers the volume when somebody's sleeping in the house or somebody's working, and there's a very loud moment, lowers the volume to make sure that nobody's getting woken up. So there's a ton of great products on Sonos.com. I have the ARC. It fits on my TV stand, you know, right in front of my TV. It looks really good. Just looks like it's part of the entertainment set. Nice design. Sounds incredible. And I do love watching TV on it. My favorite thing, though, is to just not blast, but play some music pretty loud, and we have an awesome time with it. Uh, The technology is terrific, and uh, I'm so glad I have it. So I've been recommending it for you for a couple of weeks now, and everything I say, I mean, it's the truth. It is so much better. You deserve it. You deserve it. You, you work hard, okay? You deserve to go home, sit down on your couch, put on your TV or put on some music and freaking immerse yourself in the sound system. So do that with the Sonos Arc uh, and you will not regret it. And go to Sonos.com to learn more. And it's uh, night sound is the mode I was thinking of. Speech enhancement and night sound. And you can also use voice control on Sonos too. So it's just a great app. All right, uh, James Robinson or Amari Cooper?
1: Ethan, you want to go I'm, first. Or you want me to
2: go? Yeah, I'm going with
0: uh, I'm going with the wide receiver here, Amari Cooper. I I've pretty much moved him back to where I had him. I downgraded him a little bit um, after a couple weeks of missing camp, but I'm pretty much convinced that he's fine. And if you look at what he has done with Dak Prescott, 29 games. A 16-game pace of 93 catches, 1,277 yards, and eight touchdowns. Robinson may have more touchdowns than that. I'm not sure. That's probably pretty close to what I project him for. He'll probably have more yards from that if he plays every game. Those 93 catches, that might be double what James Robinson has this year. And I think that Cooper's quite a bit safer than Robinson is, so I'll take Cooper.
1: I'll take Robinson just because I think if if you really want Robinson you probably have to draft him first, and then you might still be able to get Cooper in the next round. I I don't think there's enough buzz about Cooper as there should be because you make a really good point, Heath. Uh, You go back and you look at the 21 games with Dak Prescott. He's given you at least 15 PPR points in 12 of those 21 games. It's almost a 60% success rate. The one thing that I'm worried about with Amari Cooper, and this is something that Adam taught me, is that when he's got tough matchups, he tends to not deliver for fantasy. He opens the season at Tampa Bay. Then he's got the Chargers, the Eagles, Carolina's after that, then the Giants at the Patriots, then a bye, and then he's at Minnesota. We think the Vikings' defense will be good. He's got Denver at home after that. Now, if he's going to get the number two cornerback from all these teams because the number one cornerback is going to go to CeeDee Lamb, then maybe that really does help him, and maybe this is actually a selling point for Amari Cooper.
2: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was going to bring that up, actually, that maybe the emergence of Lamb and the fact that they're going to be using guys in different spots.
1: I almost wonder, though, if teams are just going to play a lot of zone coverage against them and just try and keep them from giving up the big play. And I think the big play is part of what's helped Amari Cooper succeed in fantasy.
2: All right. Uh, So next up, we go to Miles Gaskin or Deontay Johnson. Miles Gaskin or Deontay Johnson. Who would you rather have? Oh, by the way, James, uh, James Robinson versus Allen Robinson last year. Based on where they're going, um, recent in recent drafts, anyway. Jonathan would have been Jonathan Taylor versus Odell Beckham. And uh, James well, Robinson versus... You would have
1: been a loser either way on pretty much the first half of the year. John- James take Robinson versus
2: Amari Cooper would have been Jonathan Taylor versus Cooper Cup last year. Miles Gaskin oh. or Deontay Johnson, who would you rather have? Which one would this be first? You got to tell us. Mark Ingram versus A.J. Brown.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather have A.J. Brown. No. I um, I'm I think this might be the first time, but I'm going to take the running back. No, I took Montgomery too. Yeah, you did. Um, I'm pretty much okay with Miles Gaskin in an early round four. I don't know that he's going to average 100 yards per game like he did in his last eight games last year, but I do think he's got that 1,600-yard upside. I think he's probably going to catch 50 or 60 passes and he'll score enough touchdowns to be a solid number two running back with, with top 12 upside. I I have no idea what to make of Deontay Johnson, honestly. I've got him ranked right in this range, right behind Miles Gaskin, but we've really not seen very many wide receivers get as many targets as johnson has received in his first two years and be as inefficient as johnson has been and so it's gonna be really interesting to see what that leads to do they just keep throwing it to him 14 times a game and eventually he starts producing more than seven yards per target or they just don't care and he's gonna be a
1: 120 catch 950 yard guy dave what do you got miles gaskin or deontay johnson I've got Johnson one spot ahead of Gaskin, so I'm not really going to fault you if you take Gaskin first. I think this is a part in the draft where if you took wide receivers early and Gaskin's there, you should do backflips. And if you took running backs early and you need a wide receiver, you should be thrilled with Deontay Johnson. Uh, In the preseason game against the Lions, and yes, I know they're taking on the Lions who stink, and it was a lot of their backups who stink even more than their starters because the Lions stink. But there were two things that were encouraging. Number one, the offensive line did a good job pass protecting for Ben Roethlisberger. And number two, Deontay Johnson was separating like crazy, including on a a go-route against Jeff Okuda, the former number one overall pick for the Lions. Got Got so far downfield that he actually had to come back a little bit to catch the throw from Roethlisberger. It was a little bit of a helium balloon. So I'm wondering if he might be the best route runner in Pittsburgh the fastest receiver that Pittsburgh has, and somebody who could end up repeating that type of target volume that might end up being a high-catch guy. You're In PPR, we're talking about that, that catch volume is going to matter a ton, and I think he's going to deliver that back. So by, by a nose, it's going to be Deontay Johnson.
2: Over like Miles name. Gaskin. Okay, next up, Over Mike Gaskin. Davis or TJ Hawkinson? Mike Davis or TJ Hawkinson?
0: Mike Davis by about two rounds for me, but you know, I hate TJ Hawkinson. I don't hate.
2: Oh, you said it. Oh, (laughs) no
0: joking. I don't (laughs) hate him at all. Um, But I do have Mike Davis about two rounds higher than TJ Hawkinson. So maybe I'm high on Davis and low on Hawkinson. There you go.
1: All right, Dave Davis or Hawk. I've got Hawkinson ranked higher. I think this is another case where if you took wide receivers early on in your draft and you're looking for a running back in the round five range, Davis is perfect. You go after him, and you know what? I thought that Mike Davis looked pretty good in practice for the Falcons when I saw him against the Dolphins. He was definitely the first-team guy. It didn't look like he was splitting that much when they went into the hurry-up offense, which is a telltale sign of who they consider their starters and their top playmakers to be. He was on the field, and he was catching passes as well. I, I think that there's a little bit of downside because he's 28 years old, because he he finished with good numbers in fantasy last year replacing Christian McCaffrey, but it, it felt like there was a different guy after those first three games. His last eight games, he didn't get the ball as much, didn't get as many targets as as he did in those first three, wasn't quite as good for fantasy as he was in those first three games. I think Hawkinson's got volume on his side. It's almost the same argument that I made for Deontay Johnson, where he's just going to get pelted with targets. He should be the Lions' top target getter this year, should lead them in catches and yards, and probably receiving touchdowns as well. And that's a thin position, just like running back is. The difference is that he's going to be my fourth tight end off the board in a PPR league. So I'm going to wait to fill that position. Other people, I'm not purposely waiting to go get Hawkinson. If I miss out on... Uh, Kelsey Waller Kittle. This is the next guy that I'm targeting, and it's right in this range. And if I'm missing on those tight ends, it probably means I've picked up some running backs earlier on. The th- the, th- the thing that's interesting here, because these are both kind of guys I think
0: that are getting elevated because of projected volume. Um, I mean, Mike Davis doesn't have any other running backs on his team yet. Thankfully, Sony Michelle didn't uh, didn't show up there. Um, but Hawkinson has to be a difference maker at tight end for this to be a good idea. If Mike Davis is just a low-end RB2, like we have him ranked, and TJ Hawkinson is even what he was last year, which was like the number four tight end at the end of the year, but seven or eight on a per-game basis, Mm. you're going to wish you took the running back.
2: I mean, I guess so, but if he's... Go back and look at who was number 20 per game last year. It was probably somebody like Miles Sanders. You know, it's not that's not that good of a player. So if, if Mike Davis is just what he's ranked, he needs to be better than that. I think to, to be worth a fifth round pick, whatever, but you're, you know, you're hoping that he is, that he gets all these touches and he scores some touchdowns and whatnot.
0: Well, I mean, the other side of that is if Mike Davis is what he's ranked to be six of the, or seven of the running backs in front of him are going to get hurt and he's going to finish RB 15.
2: I guess but if he but if he fin- no, I mean but what about the guys behind him that have upside and take over for the injured players and are better than him or something like that. Yeah. I, I'm just I saying mean, What th- was Davis last year? Thirteen on a per game basis? Yeah uh yeah, I think so. Right around there. So So what? That's I, my point. So I'm saying that if Mike if Mike Davis this year is just what we have him ranked to be and he's like R B twenty, and there's gonna be some players behind him that are just a lot better than him. You I know
0: what I mean. I think historically um, if someone's ranked RB20 and they play 17 games that we expect, they finish around RB15. All right, I'm
2: then saying. fine. Then to pretend I said 20 per game. That's what I meant. I, that's what I did say. I said, look okay. at who's number 20 per game. It's probably like Miles Sanders. I think that's what
0: I said. I would rather draft RB20 per game than TJ
1: Hawkinson last year. That's what I'm then saying. TJ Hawkinson last year? Yes. Hawkinson last Everybody year, Everybody sure. would. Uh, right. I think TJ Hawkinson this year is going to be significantly better than TJ Hawkinson last year. Hawkinson was actually close to breaking out last year. He at least gave you nine PPR fantasy points in 12 of 16 games. But he was basically the same
0: guy after Kenny Galladay went down. I think he went from 11.3 to 11.8 PPR right.
1: points. and I wonder how he would have been if he if, – and I'm sorry to cut you off, Heath. I'm really sorry I, about I that. I just don't like,
0: know – Like. I don't know that this year's cast is going to command that much fewer targets than Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, and Quintez Cephas.
1: Well, we talk about Marvin Jones and how effective he is. And yeah, the other guys there stink out loud. And the guys that they have now stink out loud. I I just... I I don't think they have a choice. And I think Jared Goff is going to do a nice job leaning on TJ Hawkinson. he talked about how important the tight ends are going to be. And he mentioned TJ specifically when I asked him about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm... I, I'm fine if you want to put Hawkinson in in a in a bucket of okay, if if he's there in round six and I need a tight end, I'll take him. I'm Dave. just a little bit more encouraged and I'm willing to take him in round five because I think he can be in PPR a little bit better than Andrews and Pitts.
2: My favorite kiss song, Dave, stink it out loud. Right? <laughs> stink it. You got to have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're running out of time. Uh, So, let's hit these faster here. Chase Edmonds or Chase... Oh, by the way, Mike Davis versus Hawkinson last year would have been Melvin Gordon versus Rob Gronkowski. Chase Edmonds or Chase Claypool?
1: Hmm. I have Edmonds one, two spots ahead of Claypool. The preseason has sold me on Edmonds because I just think that he's going to be a better fit for what this Arizona offense will be.
0: Yeah, I've got Edmonds like six spots ahead of Claypool. I think it's close enough that, and again, Dave said this already, this depends on roster construction.
1: Right, and I think at this point in the draft, it's probably going to be
2: the case, you know? Right, Right.
1: and I'll tell you what, in half PPR, non-PPR, it's it's a no-doubter that it's Claypool. Oh, really? Hmm. I think it's a no-doubter.
2: I think that makes sense, right, because you're saying that Edmonds has more of a positional advantage in
1: full PPR. Well, he's going to catch a bunch of passes, too. And so he, he may end up catching maybe 15 fewer passes than Claypool over the course of the year. Claypool will lap him in touchdowns. But I think the yardage could be pretty close. It might even favor Edmonds a little I, bit more. I
0: think it's really, really dangerous to count on Claypool being a low-volume, high-touchdown guy after doing it for one year when he had a touchdown rate that was completely unsustainable.
2: Why, was, like why does he have to be a low-volume guy? That's what
0: I'm saying. Like, That's well, true. if he's not a low volume guy, then he's not as big a difference in non PPR and full
2: PPR. Okay, but I interpret that as, as Edmonds is just better for himself among running backs in full PPR. You know, like, that, well, maybe David Dave wasn't saying that. Maybe he should have. But that yeah, I think Edmonds. Right. I'm more excited to get Edmonds in a full PPR league because I of definitely course. think he has the the third down role. Um, Okay. there's no
1: every every down for Arizona this year is going to be third down
2: Kareem Hunt versus T.Y. Hilton. That would have been Edmonds versus Claypool last year. Uh, And speaking of Kareem Hunt, here's a Kareem Hunt 2021 Kareem Hunt or Kenny Galladay.
1: I'm just sour on Galladay, so I'll take Hunt.
0: I think I have Hunter higher. Hunt is one that I often I'm on the clock, and he's my top player available, and I take someone else. So I may have to look at moving him down a little bit. Um, But yeah, I would take Hunt over Galladay. Okay.
1: I wonder if we're going to get to a point where Galladay actually becomes a a decent risk.
0: I think we have.
1: Like yeah, yeah, I took him last night. Where did you take him? him? Around seven, I think.
2: Oh, did you take him instead of? Did you take Brandon Cooks for me instead of Galladay?
1: I I may have done that. That sounds like me. (laughs) I would have taken Kenny Galladay. Of course you would have. I would have. Look, I I would have liked your team a little bit better if you had taken Galladay. I always go back to Galladay's numbers with David Blau
2: and Jeff Driscoll, who were horrible. And Galladay still was on like a thousand yard pace. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. He still put up good numbers. So, I, I, I think we are probably at the point where as long as Galladay stays healthy, which is a, which is a concern. No, Kimmy stays healthy. He needs to get healthy. He's, he's, he's not healthy. Fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants, the Giants, are just, they just slow play everything. No, you're right. He needs to get healthy and stay healthy. All right. Last year, Hunt versus Galladay would have been Mostert versus Will Fuller. Mostert versus Fuller. Hmm. Javante Williams or Michael Thomas? And for average draft position for Thomas, I used where he went in, in our IDP league a few days ago, which was wide receiver 35. By the way, we'll recap that IDP draft on our Saturday mailbag. Javante Williams or Michael Thomas? Williams
1: for me.
0: Yeah, I I've moved Thomas up quite a bit as of late. I I think um they're they're very, very close. I think I'd probably take Javante Williams over Michael Thomas, but they're similar players. I mean, Thomas isn't going to be there at all the first month of the season. Javante Williams might be a part-time back the first month of the season. I do think if you're talking about as a third running back or a fourth wide receiver, I probably like Thomas more because I think Michael Thomas's second half upside is a lot higher than Javante Williams.
1: There were a few things that worried me about Williams from the second preseason game. I, I love the physicality. Uh, I, that's going to be a part of his game no matter what. But um, there was a fourth and one play where he just like runs at full speed, helmet first into the, his, the back of his tight end. His he, own tight he end. He picked up the first he, down, Dave. He did, but he might have paralyzed his tight end in the oh, process. It wasn't a pretty look. <laughs> he had a bad drop. His pass protection was up and down. And he never played more than four snaps in a row. And I think that that speaks to what Denver wants for Williams, which is really for their run game in general, which is mix and match. And it, just like we were talking about with Galladay, I wonder if Melvin Gordon is going to end up being a pretty good bargain on draft day if you're getting him in round seven and beyond. Uh, all of that being said, I'm nervous as hell about Michael Thomas and what kind of contributions he'll make this year and when he will make those contributions. So I'll take Javante Williams. I almost said Jamal Williams.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, Heath. Do you think Michael Thomas comes back and is what, I guess?
0: Oh, I don't think we know for sure, but my I would think he's a top 15 wide receiver in full PPR, almost certainly, unless he's just hurt again. Like, yeah. But if Michael Thomas comes back and plays... I don't know that we have any reason to believe he wouldn't be, at worst, a high-end number two.
2: All right, Javante Williams versus Michael Thomas would have been, in 2020, Cam Akers versus Jarvis Landry. It's kind of similar, because Akers didn't do anything for the first half, and Landry didn't do anything really because of Beckham's injury. And then some weather games, and then he didn't really do that much anyway. But
1: all right, Damian all Harris, the old weather games.
2: Damian Harris or Jerry Judy—that's our last one. Damian Harris oh. or Jerry Judy. Last year, this would have been D- David Montgomery or Devonte Parker. So we'll see if you guys make the same the the decision. Well, we'll see what you do.
1: Yeah. Damian Harris or Judy? I think I think we're gonna say the same name, Heath.
0: I, You know, I'm trying to figure it out because I we update these rankings um, as as regularly as we can.
2: And I know but, Dave doesn't have Damian Harris in round one, so that means he's taking Jerry Judy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: Judy is a top 50 player for me. Harris is not.
0: Yeah, I think I have Judy and Harris still in round six, um, but I would probably take Judy in full PPR. I've got him right between T. Higgins and Brandon Iyuk now, but that's still round six for me.
2: Dave, in uh, in non-PPR, would you take Harris or Judy?
1: I believe I would take Judy. I'm going to triple-check my rankings to make sure that I practice what I preach, and I do. I have Jerry Judy ahead of Damian Harris. That is
2: going to do it. Yeah, actually, I feel bad. I want to read one or two emails. Let's go. Let's, let's read them. Okay. Well, I don't have them ready, so. How, That's okay. How have you guys been?
1: Um, I'm... Uh, When when is it going to be January? (laughs) (laughs) Stop wasting your time watching Jake. And it's great. Stop wasting your time watching Jake Funk, bro. All
2: right. uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've watched Ty Johnson. I've watched Jake Funk. I've watched Gardner Minshew. Watched Teddy Bridgewater. Some
2: people want to know the difference between our projections and our rankings. The ones you see on the site; those projections are actually from Sportsline. So I'm reading yep. an email that says, hey, well, why is Aaron Rodgers projected for this amount of points, but he's QB11 and Josh Allen, similar amount of points, but he's QB2. Right. We don't do, projections. Projections. We do the projections. Uh, we do the rankings. Okay, so that's not really a question. This is from Asher. Haven't read this. First time seeing it. Let's see if it's good. I am in an eight-team league. Nope, no. nope. All right, we'll
1: keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we changed to a, a, a three. Asher, man. He's like, oh, yes, my email's
2: getting read. <laughs> read the email. Read it. I am. No, I I am. It. We've changed to a three receivers format with two running backs and a flex. How should my draft strategy change? I am picking eighth, and it is non-PPR. So it's three receivers and a flex, two running backs, but it's non-PPR. So what would you do, let's say, with eight and nine?
1: I'd probably go stud running back, stud tight end if Kelsey's there. Otherwise, probably two running backs.
2: I'm probably going running back, running back there. (laughs) Yeah. All right, get yourself wide receivers in, in round three and maybe after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's see. This is from...
1: If this is a keeper question. No, I'm not reading it. Okay, don't say the name. That way you're not making anybody feel bad. Two
2: QB leagues. Okay. I've been using your top – this is from Jeremy from Australia. I've been using your top QB – your your two QB mock draft as a guide, but can you give a quick rundown of what ra- rounds you take the top 10 to 15 quarterbacks?
1: Rounds one and two and a
2: half. Well, um, no, okay, wait, hold on. Top so in round three,
1: you'll see some of those top 15 quarterbacks go. I, no, that's not true. That's not true. Right, it's a drop. Uh, it, right, there's a drop, but I think you'll see like the first 12 quarterbacks go in the first 3 rounds and then maybe a couple of other ones along with along with the rookie quarterbacks and some other veterans two rounds after.
2: Okay, we are so done So maybe for... the better
1: answer isn't rounds one through two and a half, but maybe we're rounds one through five.
2: We're going to wrap up to it No, I'm just kidding. Heath is just dying to get in there, so I just go ahead, Heath. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's no, okay. I'm totally kidding.
0: <laughs> go ahead. Uh, uh First six quarterbacks should go in the first round. The next four quarterbacks should probably go in the second round. And then I don't really take the... uh, There will come a point where everybody realizes, oh no, there's top 12 running backs and receivers left. And there's a span where not many quarterbacks go. So if you don't get one of those first two rounds, I usually wait till round five or six. And there will be very similar guys available there.
2: Yeah, question. Do Do you take Ben Roethlisberger, maybe Carson Wentz, ahead of justin fields and trey lance in a two cousins
0: QB roethlisberger um and per, are definitely over them and they're not in one qb for me
1: okay i think an exception would be if you really want to have one of those young quarterbacks and you know you're going to pick again soon and you feel confident that one of those veteran quarterbacks will make it back to you with your next pick okay
2: Trying to figure out why Dave just sent me a message with just a.
1: I wanted to know if you actually use that platform. I use Slack. Yeah. I'm in the 20s. Okay, good. Now I know I can bother you on Slack.
2: Yeah, you sent me a period. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll come back tomorrow. We got another episode, then we got a mailbag on uh, Saturday. Wait a second. Yeah, this is the Thursday show. We record a day in advance, and I just have no idea what day it is. Uh, We have a mailbag for you on Saturday, and we will recap our IDP draft and uh, see if we have any takeaways for you in that draft. Next year, I will let someone else do my IDP draft for me, and I will draft my favorite IDP team ever.
0: Tell them how good my team was, Adam.
2: uh, Oh, Heath's team is nasty in IDP. Nasty. So you can come on the mailbag show with us, Heath. We're happy to have you. (laughs) Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. See ya.